0: Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in The Pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and normally to the left of me is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. But this week, he is not here. It's summertime, as you know, and like most people, Victor is on vacation. He decided to do what he should do as a good dad and take his family down to Florida, visit his parents. That's where he's originally from. And unfortunately, I reached out to other folks like Deacon Jeff and Tom Dorian and others that have, you know, so kindly stepped in when Victor's had, you know, other things going on or scheduling conflicts. And they're also vacationing. Apparently, I'm the only one who's not vacationing, except for maybe some of you who are listening. So uh, anyway, you get me today. And hopefully you get me alongside a very large dose of the Holy Spirit so that the show can go well. (laughs) But anyway, um, I'm looking forward to being with you guys. Um, we got a great show, I think, planned for you today. I have been sort of centering on a topic for a a while now and kind of want to talk about it. The Lord's been leading me through Scripture. So we're going to get to that here in a minute. First of all, I want to say thank you to all of you that have gone out and liked and subscribed to our new YouTube channel. Um, for a long time, we've talked about the studio. If you're watching this right now instead of listening, you can see you know this this wonderful studio we're in. You can't see as many angles because it's just me here today, but um, it finally came true, and we're able to answer the request of a lot of people, which a lot of people were asking for video versions of the podcast, and they wanted to see other content and. They wanted to see clips of, of our regular episodes so they could share them with friends. And There's just so much you can do with YouTube, and so we wanted to answer that, and we have. So for those of you that have gone to the YouTube channel and have liked and subscribed it, thank you. For those of you who haven't, please go there and like and subscribe. There's a little notification bell. looks like a little bell. Click it. Once you do that, you'll get notifications. It'll pop up on your phone whenever we put out any new content, um, and we're going to do some exciting things here like Uh, Some live Q and A's where Victor and I'll sit here and we'll go live and you can on the air with us, get in there and chat and answer questions and or ask us questions and we can answer them. And we're going to be doing a lot of stuff like that. Some live talks, all of that. So I'm excited to do that in this channel, but you're going to miss it if you don't go to YouTube and subscribe and hit that that notification bell as well. The subscription button looks like the one that's at the bottom of the screen right now. Go and find it there. Just go to YouTube, search just a guy in the pew, and then hit those two buttons, and you'll be notified of everything we do there. Uh, I also want to say thank you to those that have supported us and made this studio and this ministry possible to continue going. Um, many of you have gone to donorbox.org slash pew, and you've given either a one-time amount or a monthly amount um, or a, an, an annual amount, and all of it helps. Every bit of it helps. So thank you for your support there. If you're somebody who's considering doing that, We need it, you know. I mean, we need every bit we can get to continue to grow. We just hired a new employee and Lucy. She's phenomenal. She's helping take so much off of me so that I can concentrate on content and all this other stuff and really work in the gifts that God's given me, which isn't administration, I can tell you that. But thank you for those who have made that possible. We want to continue to grow, and we do when you're able to give generously through ways like DonorBox.org. The other way you can give is our membership community. Right, A lot of times we just call it the narrow road, but what it really is, is a just a guy in the pew community. Yes, when you sign up for $25 a month, you get a narrow road. That's our virtue booklet sent to you every month on a different virtue where you can work through the different relationships and the virtue in your life. Like God enjoy, and my wife enjoy, and my kids enjoy, and my neighbors enjoy. You're going to get that book delivered to your door, yes. But you're also going to get companion videos that go along with it. Five of them where I do reflections on those weeks and on the virtue itself. Right there on the website, that's exclusive to members. You're also going to get uh, exclusive videos that are deeper dives to the podcast. Victor and I, now, especially with the studio, we're going further and things that we didn't get to mention in the time allotted for the podcast. We're going deeper into things. We're sharing more intimate things of our own lives there um, where we're struggling with things. So, all that's there. We also have exclusive interviews. When I do interviews with Dr. Crave or Dr. Bob Schutz or Matt Fratt or whoever, we always do an extra segment and put it on there specifically for those members as a thank you for their support. Um, also, we have a monthly hangout, a Zoom hangout with me. So it's cool. Every month, an hour, an hour and a half, maybe even two hours sometimes, me and all these guys from around the country, around the world, get on there and we share about our lives. We talk about the ministry and the podcast and the episodes they enjoyed and what they'd like to hear, stuff like that. But we really get to know each other and we pray for each other and we, we encourage each other. And that's available there every month in that membership. I really highly recommend you come and join us because it's an amazing time each month. There's also a private Facebook group where those guys go into and they can share about what's going on in their life. So look, you can join that by going to justaguyonthepew.com. There's a thing at the top, a, a, a button or a, a title that says The Narrow Road. Go to the part that says join. Sign up there. You'll get The Narrow Road to your front door, like I said. And then you get all the other stuff I just talked about. And you can really get in a community with guys that care for each other, that want to walk with each other and help grow this ministry through their love of each other and their love of the Lord. So I invite you to go and check those things out. Uh, also, a lot of those guys are the guys that we've started parish missions with. So you'll be able to hear from that sort of thing and what it's like for a group for them and, and to be in a group that we've started in those parishes. So, again, go to com and check that out. All right, folks. So today's show uh, is all about wisdom. And you may be thinking, well, why is John talking about that? He doesn't have a lot of it. <laughs> you are correct. I really don't. I depend on the Holy Spirit a lot. But guys, honestly, I just, I've been reading through the book of Kings, uh, partly because I've been doing Bible in the year and I've gotten behind. And so I'm playing catch up and we're now in the book, uh, the first book of Kings. But also if you notice our readings over the last few weeks have been in the first book of Kings. And you know, I've always loved the story of David, and, and, and so often maybe we know more about King David than we know about Solomon or some of the other kings, but 1 Kings is really a transitionary book where all this stuff starts happening, where David passes away, and it's one of the, the, my favorite times in the scriptures is as he's laying there on his deathbed, and he's probably looking back at the mistakes he made, the adultery, the, the murder of Uriah, the mistakes he made where he sort of angered God or walked away from God the way that we all do because we're all imperfect. Uh, God still continued to say, this is a man after my own heart. And he still continued to honor the promise he'd made to David. But on his deathbed, King David just, you know, he looks at Solomon and says, take courage and be a man. It's almost like you can hear King David say, like, don't make the mistakes I did. Like, be a better man and be a man, right? Be a man and live for the Lord the way the Lord calls us to. And in that next sequence is the book of King Starts, right? Where, where uh, Samuel ends in the, in the book of, uh, first book of King Starts. We see that David has passed and there's sort of turmoil, and then all of a sudden Solomon becomes king. And because of how much God loved David, and because of the way that, that, for the most part, David served the Lord, he he wanted to give Solomon one thing, and he even asked him, "What what is the one thing I can give you? What is the one thing you want to help you in your lordship or help you be king? And, you know, guys, I, I always admired this about Solomon because I think, it, you know, honestly, talking about my own things, just being a guy, I probably would have been like, I want money, or I want, you know— A woman in my life or I want you know uh, whatever it is like it it probably wouldn't be wisdom but for Solomon he he already shows wisdom without even God bestowing the gift of wisdom on him um, which is what he asked for he he simply says like Lord give me the wisdom to be a good king to know your will and to live your will to do your will to make the right choices and it's such a virtuous thing for Solomon to choose in that moment and I I just, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that would have been the first thing. I would have been the guy that goes like, oh yeah, I want wisdom too. I want want what he said. (laughs) You know, after I asked for money or a Ferrari or something. But, you know, the thing is, Solomon starts off well. And so many of us probably have started off that well in our life too, where we just fall in love with the Lord at a young age. That's what happened to me. I lived my faith, you know, as a young Baptist really well until I started making choices that were against God. I started stop using the wisdom that he had given me in, in in the relationship i built with him and i started to choose other things. And we see this happen with Solomon. Right? Solomon for a long time he starts out well. Like David wanted to build the temple for the Lord in Jerusalem, but because David had shed blood and all the other reasons that that, that God gives in the in the Old Testament, he said you're not going to be the one to build the temple, your son Solomon will. So Solomon sets out with this wisdom to honor God's will and to build this temple. And the way that God wants it. And Solomon starts to mass cedar and silver and all these things to make this beautiful, beautiful temple for the Lord. And he does, he completes it. You know, he, de- he depends on the people to build it and he builds this for the Lord. Well, somewhere along the way, as it happens to a lot of us, Solomon started doing other things that were really out of God's will, right? It's one thing to have wisdom and to know right and wrong. It's a completely different Thing to act on that will, act on that knowledge, right? That knowledge and understanding of what is right and wrong. Just like the Ten Commandments, God's given those to all of us. But how many times do we have the knowledge of what we are supposed to do and we aren't supposed to do, but we don't live it out in our lives? We choose the wrong thing. We sin. We we, we lust. We do the different things that we know are, are are against the wisdom that God has given us about right and wrong, good and evil. Um, You know, we're, we're not— Prone to this, right? Solomon isn't the one that's made this mistake by himself, but we see Solomon do this. So all of a sudden, Solomon starts amassing money, and people are coming to him, and and they're seeing how wise he is, and they're giving him gifts. And next thing you know, Solomon's got chariots and charioteers and horses and wagons, and he's got it says silver that's overflowing in the streets of Jerusalem. Um, he starts to take on wives and concubines. At one time, it says in scripture that he had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Now. We've talked about on previous episodes how this was sort of the downfall of Saul and David where God had said to Samuel the prophet that when he said the people of Israel want a want a king God said I don't think that's a good idea right if I if I give them a king he's going to start looking out for his own wants and he's going to amass women he's going to amass women. like God knew what men would do when they were tempted by these other things with power and money and lust and all these things and so we see David fall to that with, with taking on all these extra wives. We see Saul do that. Now we see Solomon do this. And the thing is, Solomon's not taking wives just from Israel. He's taking wives from outside other nations, right, from Egypt and other places. And with these wives and these concubines come their way of life and their practices. And so all of a sudden, where we're Solomon had built this beautiful temple where he'd answered the call of God and he'd used the wisdom to do that, now all of a sudden he starts to... Fall as he says. I love these women. I love these others. I don't know if it's possible to love a thousand women or concubines or whatever. He's claiming to do this, but really he's lusting after them and he's giving into their desires and their wants. And we see this take place. You know, um, around First Kings, I think it's chapter eleven. It starts to talk talk about, and that's exactly where it is. uh, You know, First Kings uh, eleven, Solomon's errors is what that chapter is called, and it starts to talk about how he started to take these wives and these princesses and these concubines and how these wives turned away his heart and how he started to build um, temples and and places of worship to people like Molochim, the abomination of the Ammonites. And and he built uh, things to Moloch and Moab and Baal. And look, Moloch was the god that if you worshipped him, that basically meant that you were sacrificing children. And because Solomon let these women into his life, he started to listen to their wants and desires because he wanted to please them, right? They became as important to him or more important to him than God did. And so it turned his his vision away from him. And he had this wisdom to know right and wrong. Yet he let himself be turned because he wasn't acting on his will. Guys, it is one thing to know right and wrong, but it's another completely different thing to act on and choose the right thing. That's an act of the will. So this is the question here. Is wisdom enough? No, it isn't. We have to be able to meet this with our will to say, I'm going to enact this wisdom. I'm going to choose the right thing. I'm going to will it in my life. I'm going to willfully choose the right thing. Solomon quit doing that. And this is what led to his downfall, right? All of a sudden, these other gods are, are present here again in Israel. And, and it's it is condoned by his actions building these things. What do you think that message sent to the people? Well, the king's building those things, these other temples and these other places of worship. This must be okay, So all of a sudden, it says in that same chapter, 11, in uh, 1 Kings, it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from him, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, it says, the Lord said to Solomon, um, That since this has been your mind, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give you one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So, folks, this is exactly what happens, guys. Solomon starts choosing the other things that God had appeared to him twice and told him not to do. He allowed these other things to become important in his life. He had the wisdom. It says in Scripture, Solomon was the most wise man who ever lived. Right? He knew more about God's will and more about right and wrong than anybody. And even him and all that infinite wisdom was able to be turned away from the Lord, to choose other things. Guys, if he had all that infinite wisdom and he was turned, how easy do you think it is for us to choose the wrong things in our life? I don't have to tell you this. You're a sinner. You know this. You have chosen wrong things in your life, and maybe you still are. But, guys, we have to make an act of a will. Wisdom isn't just enough. We have to actively act on that will and choose the good, what God has asked us to choose and to continue to choose turning to him instead of the other things in our life, whether it's women or lust or porn or drugs or alcohol or anger or pride, whatever it is, we have to actively turn away from these things because there's going to be consequences for us the way they were for Solomon. And God, in fact, enacts on what he says. He he does what he says he's going to do. Solomon winds up passing. And when he does, he gives the kingdom to his son, right? But all of a sudden, when Solomon dies, there's just anarchy, and people are trying to take the kingdom. And so we see Jerusalem divided into the north and the south, basically Israel and then Judah and Benjamin. And and yes, God is a man of his word. He gives the kingdom to Solomon's son, but it's soon ripped away from him too, <laughs> right? It's ripped away from him. It's divided up. And because Solomon, uh, Solomon refused to act on the wisdom of what God had told him about how he should live. And he started building these other temples. Now Israel is flooded with these other gods and these other, uh, uh now okay things to worship and people are confused. And so God raises up another man and it's the prophet Elijah. And in chapter 18 in first Kings, we start to, to hear about something that Elijah does. that's very different than Solomon right? Elijah was a prophet of God. He spoke from the wisdom of the Lord. He spoke the word of God. So yes, he had wisdom. Now scripture said that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. So was Elijah as wise? I don't know. Probably not because scripture says something different, but Elijah had the gift of prophecy. He was speaking the word of God. And because of the mistakes of Solomon, Elijah finds himself in chapter um, 18 Infuriated because it's gotten so overwhelmingly popular to worship these other gods that now there are hundreds and hundreds of these prophets of these other gods that are now in Israel. So Elijah, what he does in his wisdom is he goes and, and he asks Ahab to call all of the people of Israel and all of the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Esherah into the one place where he was going to speak. And he was going to call out all of them. Now, let me tell you something here, guys. How many times have we fallen when we're surrounded by the hard things? When we're called to evangelize or something like that, but we back up. We know the, what's right and wrong, but yet we shrink from the moment. We shrink from the challenge. We have the wisdom of what's right and wrong, but we don't act on the will to carry out God's will in that, in that moment that he's asking us. Well, here Elijah is, one man by himself who's outnumbered. He's not the popular guy saying, no, this the God of our ancestors, the God of Israel is the true God. That wasn't a popular opinion at this point anymore. Obviously, there's four hundred prophets of other gods, just these other two that the scriptures name. And so here's imagine this. Imagine yourself being in the shoes of Elijah showing up and you're surrounded by a thousand I don't know how many of the people of Israel it says showed up, but I know there was at least eight hundred and fifty people that were prophets of these other gods. And so you can imagine the 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 Anger in the in the slurs and the the venom that was being spewed at Elijah, who was calling people here to challenge their gods, and that's in fact what Elijah does in that chapter. That in fact that that portion of the chapter is called Elijah Triumphs Over the Prophets of Baal. But Elijah goes to him and says, "Hey, you know what? You have your gods. I have mine. We're going to see who the real god is today. Right? We're going to get two cows. We're going to slaughter them. We're going to get them ready for a sacrifice. We're going to build two uh, fire pyres, if you will, two places of sacrifice." And then we're going to call down fire from your gods, and I'm going to call it down from my gods. And whoever's a uh, uh, fire starts is the God that is the true God. And so he lets them go first. And all of a sudden, these, these prophets, they start to stand there, and they, they're mocking uh, Elijah, it says, right? They're, they're yelling at him, and they're just so um, confident that their God is going to be the one that, that, that comes out on top. And so they start doing all this. They they start burning their, their they start calling down the god their gods, the Baal and and uh, Asherah and all these other ones to start this 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 fire, and nothing happens. And now Elijah he does what probably we shouldn't do. I don't know. I mean, God was telling him what to do, but Elijah starts to mock them and make fun of them, right? He's saying, "Oh, maybe your gods are asleep. Maybe they can't hear you. Maybe they're off today." You know, he's basically mimicking them because. He knows there's only one true God, and in his wisdom, he's not backing down from that. He's taken an action. He's he's with his will. He has said, I'm going to show these people and bring them back to the Lord because this is what he's asked of me. And in my wisdom of right and wrong, good and evil, I know that that is evil. This is good, and I'm going to stay in here and not just know what's right and wrong, but act upon it. So he sits there and he mocks them, and they start cutting themselves, it says, and they're trying to bleed to to entice their gods to come down, and still nothing happens. so Elijah, when it's his turn, he says, Get a couple of buckets of water. in fact it says four jars of jars of water and pour it on my fire or on my on my wood where I was gonna, where he was going to start the fire. and so they pour four jugs on there three times he goes to him and says, Do it again, do it again, do it again. Now this may seem a little bit smug, but Elijah was trying to make a point. Right? He was trying to show these people there's only one God. So Elijah starts to pray, and he starts to call down God. And boom, the fire lights on this soaking wet wood, and everyone begins to worship and turn back to God in this moment. Right, It says here that, uh, Come near to me, and all the people came near to me. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. He, he started the fire. God started the fire, and everything, all this scene brings people back to the Lord. Folks, we see two different, very different scenes here of, of two different men in 1 first Kings. Both were full of wisdom, but only one in this instance that we're talking about here made the right decision, made the right choice. Solomon was a good man. He messed up like you were a good man and maybe you've messed up. I'm a good man and I've made mistakes in my past, right? I'm trying to be a good man. We're never fully good. We're always working towards that, right? But Elijah, the difference was his will. His will to follow through on what was right and wrong. Guys, this has to be the difference in our life. This has to be the man that we are. Wisdom is never going to be enough because we still have free will. right? God loves en- loves us enough to give us free will. And in that free will, even though we have all the wisdom in the world, we have to make the right choice. Guys, let's look at some real-world examples. Like, What are some real—John, give me some examples, okay? Here you go. I know that it's not good for me to watch porn. I know that that's against everything God wants for me, and it's, it hurts me, it hurts God, it hurts my wife, but sometimes I still fall. Why? Because I have the knowledge of right and wrong, but I haven't shorn up my will, right? I haven't asked God to help me shore up my will and to give me the perseverance and the courage I need to make the right choice in the moment, right? I'm not making an act of will. At the end of the day, I'm choosing the wrong thing. How many t- how many of us know that it's good for us to exercise, yet we don't and we're unhealthy, And yet we say in our minds, we want to be here for our wives and our children, but we don't make the choices to physically ensure that we're going to be here as long as we can, right? I mean, how many of us know that when we exercise, we feel better, we're happier, we're able to serve the Lord physically and spiritually and mentally better because we're taking better care of ourselves. I know that. I go through spots where I'm like, I'm on the six month kick and I've lost 15 pounds. I feel great. And then all of a sudden, one day I lose the will to continue to make that choice 'm I'm, I'm back to 20 pounds overweight. I, I'm feeling sluggish, I don't feel good, I'm not sleeping well. Guys, this is an, the an, same sort of example. We have the wisdom. we're not making the good choice. Prayer life. How many times do I know that I need an active prayer life in my life but I choose to watch Netflix or a ball game or do everything I can besides pray? Guys, these are the way, these are the opportunities we open our life and we open in our lives for the devil to come in and lead us away from the Lord. That's what happened to Solomon. He had the wisdom. He was the wisest man who ever lived. Imagine that. No one has known more what it means to be to, the difference between right and wrong or to know what is the will of God more than that man. And yet even he was tempted and turned away. Guys, this is why it's so important for us to look at the choices Elijah made. He was chastised. He was in front of thousands of people that were against him. Sounds like the world today, right? The world we're living in, that people who want abortion, full-term abortion, people that want same-sex attraction, people that want gender dysphoria, and for our children to make their own choices about all those things. We live in a world where so many people are worshiping other things than the one true God and what he asks of us, and we know right and wrong. The question is, Are we going to make the right decision? Are we going to make an act of the will? Are we going to be the men that we say we are when it counts, when it's tough, when other people are around us? Are we going to choose to quit spending time with people that drag us down and take us away from the Lord, even though it hurts, right? That was Solomon's thing. He said he loved these women. He probably more again, lusted after these women than anything. And he he allowed that to separate him. He didn't want to lose those things. He allowed them to take more precedence in his life. Are you letting other people and outside influences take more precedent in your life than God, in your relationship with his son, Jesus Christ? Because my brothers and sisters, if you were raised Christian, if you were raised morally, if you were raised in the Catholic Church, you know the difference between right and wrong. I know the difference between right and wrong. This isn't just me pointing at you in this camera today and, and staring at you or talking to you over your radio and accusing you. This finger is being pointed right back at me. This podcast came today from saying, is wisdom enough? Because I don't believe it is. We can know all the right and wrong in the world and still choose the wrong thing every day. That is why it is so important to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and what he wants of us and to seek his will in our life so we can fortify our will and then choose, willingly choose the good and the right in everything. Will you fail? Will you fall? Yes, but the goal is not to make an excuse by that and say, well, I'll just go to confession. The goal is to grow in our understanding and stop making those falls as often and shore up those things in our life so that we become more of the man that God wants us to be each and every day. My brothers, if you're looking for ways to do that, continue to listen to this podcast. Find other Catholic resources out there. Choose to to get in the scriptures every day. The way that I am, the way these podcasts are, are, are or I say I am, I don't every day, but when when the Lord leads me to do it, getting in the scriptures here and finding what he's trying to say to us, the message each and every day, that's where this show came from, was just this idea of wisdom and two people who lived it very differently. One who had it and didn't live it all the time, and eventually it was his downfall, and one who did in a moment and chose right and turned people back to God. Get in the scriptures, get in your prayer life, start looking at the things in your life where you know are wrong, and you need to make better decisions and then make an act of the will to change your life there. Get involved with men in a group. Heck, we'll help you start that. You can go to our website and go to the Book Me page, and I will help you in your parish if we get the permission of your pastor and of the other people there to come there and help you start a group that will help you be a better man and to make better decisions. Not just know what's right and wrong, but choose to do what is right. My brothers, that is what this life is about. This is what God is asking of us. He wants us to become fully the man, the men that he has called us to be. And the way we do that is not just knowing what's right and wrong, but choosing it in our life each and every day. And that's how we go out and we be a light in the world, an example to those that are worshiping other gods in their lives. That's how we show them what is different and what it means to be a joyful follower of Christ and the life you can have when you make those hard decisions and you willfully choose to do the good and don't just depend on the knowledge and not put it into action. So my brothers, let's take it to prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you have given us the wisdom to know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. Oftentimes, it, is, it isn't the wisdom that is lacking, but the will. Help us to conform our will to yours and give us the strength to stand firm in your commandments. And Father, whenever we feel the pressure to cave into the ways of the world, give us the grace to stand firm in what we know is right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.